Let's Talk. This week from Acts chapter 24. Today we're looking at dealing with false accusations. The Bible has many stories of people who were falsely accused of one thing or another. The biggest one being Jesus himself. They claimed he said he would destroy the sacred Jewish temple and rebuild it in three days. But Jesus was not talking about the physical temple, but the, temp- but the temple he spoke of was his body. From John chapter 2 verses 19 to 21. Here's a few sayings about about accusations. Number one, when one person makes an accusation, check that to be sure that he himself is not the guilty. One. Number two, accusations fit on a bumper sticker. The truth takes longer. Number three, before you abuse, criticize, and accuse, walk a mile in, in someone else's shoes. Number four, even doubtful accusations leave a stain on a person. The Bible says this about accusations from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Acts 24, 9. The other, uh, the other Jews joined in accusations, asserting that these things that Paul were saying, said was true. Colossians chapter 1, verses 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusations. The Apostle Paul faced much persecution and accusations in his life. How he dealt with the persecution is a good lesson for anyone who has presented the gospel and faced opposition. Here's the story from Acts chapter 22. A lawyer lawyer named Tertullius brought charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullius, Tertullius presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, Paul said, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law that is written in the, in the law and the prophets, and I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Verse 17 says, After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and present offerings. I was ceremoniously clean and found when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia that ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. Quote, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial for you today, unquote. Paul's defense of himself, this is what he did. Number one, he started off by a genuine, thankful attitude of Governor Felix. He was not buttering up the governor, but followed the way one would address an important man in the culture of that time. Number two, Paul presented his case in a calm manner that focused on the facts that could easily be verified by a non-biased person. There's a few things that Paul didn't do. Number one, he didn't lose control and slip into accusations against the Jews. 
Number two, he did not distort or bend the facts. And number three, he kept emotion out of his presentation. False accusations are often spoken by people who have various personal struggles. They take out their frustrations on other people through accusations. God hates false accusations. Proverbs 6.16 says, God hates a heart that devises wicked schemes. Proverbs 19.5 also says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will not go free. In conclusion, false accusations are painful. They destroy reputations, steal peace and joy, and deny justice. Here's a few suggestions on how, how to deal with false accusations. Number one, realize that these sorts of problems are not overlooked by God. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Second, ask God to help you forgive the person who accuses you of something. Romans chapter 12, verses 20 to 21 tells us, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Psalm 37, 7 also tells us, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Third, don't do revenge on someone. Realize that people have bad days and you may have scooped, you, you may have gotten scooped up in their bad day. In Matthew 27, 12, we see that despite being accused of many false things by their chief elders, Jesus Christ remained silent. He gave no answer. We need to be careful with our words but also when we are falsely accused to stay silent. People will realize your accuser is wrong and there should be no reason for them to believe him or her. Plus, in doing so, you're being the more mature person by just letting it roll off of your back and not bothering to return hate for hate. Remember Psalm 37.7, which also tells us, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Let's pray. Father, for those that face accusations today. We pray that you'll help them to be calm and patient, trusting in you, relying on you, and let this in itself become a great witness. We'll see many people come to Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen.